a lot of people make bad investment choices as they don't have a professional advisor holding their hands. They talk to friends and family members about the great deals on offer, the cheap property, the high rental yields, and the possibilities to get rich quick. But the reality is there is no get rich quick option to investing. It's all about being strategic in your journey. Today, we are going to hear Frank Volantic's top 10 don'ts when it comes to investing, so you know what is best to avoid in your investment journey. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent, and invest right. Your host is Sue Langda. Real Estate Right is back for another year of insightful advice, helping buyers, sellers, renters, and investors get their real estate right. If you would like to help Real Estate Right continue every week, why not sponsor an advertising space throughout each podcast to help you also grow your business? Frank Volantic is the lovable, colourful and enthusiastic buyer's advocate who we see on the block every year, doing what he does best. A pioneer in Melbourne's property advocacy roles, Frank has been a well-respected leader in advocacy for 22 years and he is here today to talk to us about his top 10 don'ts when it comes to investing. Welcome, Frank. Hi, Sue. Thanks for having me on again. I look forward to sharing some of my don'ts, um, you know, when you're investing in property. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for coming back on again, Frank. Now, we have a new year, hopefully a new beginning with no more COVID restrictions and a chance for people to grow their businesses, their experiences and their social lives. So what are some of the big plans for you in 2022, Frank? Well, I think, yeah, just continuing to you know run the business we're 21 years in now so just continuing yeah. to run a, a pretty busy business um, we've been very successful lucky over that period so you're just continuing to run the business um, I'm going to keep investing in property and uh, talk the talk and walk the walk like I uh, I you know I should do so yeah. if, I, if I reckon my clients do that I should be doing that as well um, so yeah I'll, I'll be investing in properties i do a few flips every year, um, yeah, Sue, yeah. so I look forward to doing a few of those. And I'm building a brand new holiday house down the peninsula, so oh, nice. that'll keep me busy and off the streets and out, out of the pubs and, and um, bars as well. Oh, we like you at the pubs, though, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, maybe, maybe, you know, still there, but not, not you know, not there too often because I'll, be, I'll be busy doing stuff. So I like to keep busy. Yeah. Um, I love investing in and, and doing renovations and projects and things so that, yeah. you know, that, that's something I do personally. But also um, I love helping my clients do that as well. Yeah, sounds good. Now, today we're talking about your top 10 don'ts when it comes to investing. If you want to go back to our 100th episode, we had you talking about your top 10 do's when it comes to investing. So here are the don'ts. Number one, what do you say is your number one, Frank? Number one is um, don't keep your principal place of residence, so, your, you know, your property that you're living in, yeah. uh, your home as an investment. Uh, and the reasons for that are usually, uh, you know, you're emotional about that property, you've been living in it. It might not necessarily be the best investment. Um, and the other big reason to financially, you might have all this equity built up in that home that you lived in, 
but then you're taking out a, a much bigger loan uh, on the new principal place of residence, uh, which doesn't make financial sense. So most of our clients would end up selling the, the you know, the old principal place of residence, yeah. buying their new place of uh, residence and then reinvesting in property and trying to gear the investment properties uh, so they've got the most debt on them um, yeah. and not vice versa. So, you know, if you've got that place and you've got an extra $500,000 debt on it that you could have, have got rid of because, you know, you could put that from the investment property sale to that, uh, then that's non-tax deductible debt. So it, it just doesn't make financial sense. And yes. a lot of people do it. It's a big trap, Sue, because sometimes it can be their first home too and it's all, you know, emotional. They've lived there. Yeah, and I was going to say that. It's it. that first home, isn't it? That little, that flat or that unit that they first bought. Yeah, that they like to keep and, as an investment. Yeah, and it might not necessarily, but yeah, so it might not necessarily be the best investment. You know, when we run our fifteen point investment grade criteria through it, yeah. it might only have half of those points. It might not be in the best location or the best suburb. Um, but some people just just keep it, and there's a bit of emotion there. So, so I think that's the number one. Um, don't when you're you know when you're looking to start buying an investment property and uh, building a portfolio, um, you know just be careful of keeping your uh, your emotional home as as your first investment. Yeah, sounds good. Now, number two, what would you consider your second top tip? Yeah, my second zone is don't buy overseas or interstate, uh, as many people have done over the years. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of investors that have invested in Queensland, um, you know, in our last 20 years as advocates. And I haven't heard so many great stories from there, Sue, that, you know, yeah. people have done well, uh, that they've made good money and, and they've had great capital growth. It's it's always been a bit of a horror story, to be mm. to be uh, uh, frank and um so usually yes, you it's because people, <laughs> Sorry, <that was> <laughs> be frank, I'll, I'll, I'll be frank being frank. Um, yep. Usually it's because, you know, you, you can buy in Queensland, you might both be able to buy something for 400000 the identical property in Melbourne would be $1.5 and you think, oh, this is a great buy. Mm. But, you know, you might be buying in an area that is uh, is a lower growth area, lower socioeconomic area, yeah. and therefore its capital growth prospects are limited. So, uh, so it's really, really important, I think, to, you know, if you are going to buy interstate, uh, that you get a property advocate uh, and we can recommend advocates interstate that we deal with yes. and um, can recommend to, to make sure that you get professional advice uh, because um, you don't want to be buying a property that, you know, I just had a client who was selling one in Toowoomba um, and they literally, you know, lost money um, holding it for about 12 years. Mm. Um, so they bought it for like three fifteen thousand, just sold it for two ninety, um, And so they could have invested a lot better. And, uh, and I think it's important to, you know, invest in areas that you know and, and get, professionals if you're investing in melbourne um, you probably know more of melbourne than you would uh interstate uh, property markets so so yeah just be careful of that trap because um you know it can seem cheap but it could also be an inflated price for that area because uh that client i was talking to uh about in toowoomba you know he ended up using a, a property you know one of these property marketing type companies that you know selling the off the plan properties and uh selling the dream but no doubt the price was already loaded up so with their you know commission and 
Um, you know, there's a lot of people there getting commissions and so forth, and the prices can be loaded up as well. Yeah. Uh, and then I've had some clients invest overseas as well, and, again, not too many great stories. A few people did well in the U.S. many years ago mm-hmm. when they when they invested there, and if they used, um, you know, there were advocates and professionals there assisting, and I've got a few clients that did well out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, there's uh, there's more horror stories than um, yes. good luck stories. So when yeah, people are doing I'm sure that. there are. Yeah, I had a friend who bought her first place in Emerald in Queensland recently, and uh, she I think she paid one hundred and thirty five thousand ish or something for this two bedroom unit, and she's like, "Well, I've got something I can use as an investment. Like, I think she can get like three hundred dollars a week for it. Like, it's a really awesome mm-hmm. turnover." But okay, well, I've got a horror story for Port Headland in in uh, WA, where you know we had one of the um, mums from our school. Uh, invested over there and they bought two properties at the peak of the market, you know, when the mining boom was flying and they paid about 1.3 million. They were getting $1,800 a week rent at the time. It was massive return. And uh, once the mining shut down, those properties, they couldn't even sell for 250,000. So they're stuck with them because they've got the loan against, you know, the 1.3 million and they're getting about $250 a week rent now. So, you know, a real, real horror story. Oh, yeah. Um, so well, she, see, my friend's the other way around. She's she's bought it at the low when there's no mining and, yeah. you know, she might be able to get, you know, a good rental yeah. afterwards. But, yeah, anyway. Yeah, but don't buy don't buy into state and don't buy mining towns that are, one, you know, one economy, um, you know, yeah. uh, basically Reliant. areas, you know, that, that just yeah. rely on that. Yeah. single economy the mining economy so yeah yeah well she's she's been living there for i don't know five years now so anyway it's all good um mm-hmm. now your number three what what's your don't do for number three yeah don't buy uh, what we call non-owner occupied type properties so you know properties there that have got sort of long leases or or very um you know set arrangements, um, you know, like service departments mm-hmm. or defence housing that might have 10-year contracts. Yeah. Uh, those types of properties there can't be sold to owner-occupiers and therefore uh, when they are trying to be sold, they generally don't get those premium prices that owner-occupiers will pay. Mm. Um, so steer clear of those long-term leases. You know, if someone says to me, oh, they've got, you know, a property and, and there's a, like a five-year lease to Quest service departments and another yeah. five-year option, you know, you, if you're selling that, can only sell that to an investor. So you're cutting out uh, pretty well, you know, 70, 80% of the market at the moment, which is mainly sort of owner-occupiers, home buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're really shooting yourself in the foot by, you know, cutting off that sort of bigger market. And yeah. the owner-occupiers, um, Sue buy with emotion, they buy with the heart, not with the head. And therefore, that's, you know, when we see these big prices in Melbourne at the moment, probably selling for hundreds of thousands over reserve, they're usually family homes uh, that have got that emotional element attached to it. So um, if that was a serviced uh, apartment, you wouldn't see, you know, five people bidding for it and it's selling for 500000 over reserve. They're lucky to sell. Um, and student accommodation is another one, Sue, because yeah. a lot of them have those links to the student accommodation companies that run them and you know you can have five ten year leases on those properties plus also the you know owner occupiers generally aren't going to want to live in those um, blocks some of them 
uh, you're allowed to actually have owner occupiers in there when the leases come up. But you know, how many owner occupiers want to live in a block where you know there's service departments or there's students? They are so tiny. They are so tiny. Mm-hmm. Some of those things, like yeah, I, <laughs> the bed is basically you no know, two feet away from the you know kitchen sink essentially. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, and they're really hard. Number the other thing is they're really hard to get finance for too soon. Mm. So you know, a lot of people make mistakes and they they buy these properties. And they think oh, I'm guaranteed this return through Quest four percent a year goes mm. up every year. They take care of everything, but yeah. then you know. Number one, check that your bank will actually finance that type of investment because a lot of them won't because they see that as very risky. Mm. Um, and and number two, number two, as I said, it just uh, I had clients that had service departments and they haven't been able to give them away when they've tried to sell them. They haven't been able to cash in the money they put in because they can't sell them. So yeah. they're just stuck with this yeah. uh, lemon that just sits there in the background and they're like going, well, I've, you know, it's taken me two or three years. Some clients you know, taking years and years on the market to um, yeah. to actually get a, a sale result as well, if you can get it sold. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, just be careful of those long-term lease type uh, mm. properties because... Yeah, yeah. Somebody said to me um, oh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, there's there's property out in Bacchus Marsh where, like, it was dirt cheap to buy and it was a 10-year guarantee with Department of Housing and... Yeah. Um, and then they said, and then you can sell it back to them after your 10 years and you'll get what the market value is. And I'm like, do you really want somebody trashing your house? Like that's the kind of person that you're probably going to be yeah. attracting. Like, do you really want that? You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and, not just, and not just that. Um, I've heard those arrangements and usually they, they then share some of the um, capital growth if there has been any. So you yeah. sort of like. You're really, you're really not, you're really not uh, benefiting. Yeah, a friend of mine um, asked me recently about the um, national disability scheme type properties as well because they've got 10-year leases attached to those. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a property in Beveridge and it was over 100000 more than, you know, a similar property that we'd bought for a client recently. Yeah. Um, so they can't be overpriced. They're sold through developers. There's, you know, there's margins there. There's commissions being paid. Um, so be careful of the national disability scheme type properties as well. And there was yeah. those ones before the rental affordability type ones, which again had those, you know, agreements there for the uh, longer leases as well. Mm. Yeah, they seem to rename them to different things after people cotton on to the they're not working anymore, don't they? <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, anything with a long-term sort of, you know, that restricted lease, um, I think it's not a positive. It's actually a, a negative when you're looking to resell. Yeah. And like I've even found with my short-term Airbnb rental, if I do have people there for a longer term, they they trash it. Like it's just like where if you have them for two nights or a week or something like that, they look after it a bit better. So, you know, you don't want to have those long-terms. They take too long. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now, what's your number four? Number four one is, um, you know, don't buy off the plan. Um, you know, so many, again, horror stories. Mm. I haven't heard too many uh, of those good luck stories, Sue, again, for people that have bought off the plan. Mm. Uh, so a lot of uh, people don't know in Melbourne now, you know, for the last three years, there are no stamp duty savings for off the plan purchases. So um, I had a client who was recently... 
Yeah, I had a client recently who was going to buy a property and they had factored in the stamp duty savings. And I said, hang on, there's no stamp duty savings. That was gone three years ago when the government introduced some first home buyer um, incentive subsidy schemes. They replaced the the um, you know the stamp duty savings. So so why would you buy off the plan if you don't have that stamp duty savings? Which was one of the main reasons people was do, were doing it uh, is that was the opportunity there to save fifty to hundred thousand dollars in stamp duty. Mm. So there's no great benefit. The only real benefit of buying off the plan is you know if there is a development that you might be able to choose the best uh, properties in the development. Because you might be able to choose the north-facing ones or the ones with views yeah. before they get sold, and you get stuck with the south-facing ones with no views. Yeah. Um, but I've seen people make so many mistakes, Sue, because off-the-plan buying is a more advanced form of buying. You're buying off plans, so you need to know how to read plans. You yes. need to know how to visualize how big a room will be. Um, I've I've got a client, uh, Darren, who's bought one off the plan in, in Grattan Street in Paran and, uh, you know, he's he's just devastated that he bought it seven years ago because what he paid for it, I think he paid six seventy five. Yeah. It's probably worth six twenty five today. Yeah, not good. And he couldn't believe how small it was when he actually physically went through yeah. it and he yeah. went, oh, my goodness, you know, this, you couldn't swing a cat and it was only like 55 square metres yeah. for a two-bedroom. Um, so, you know, you've got to be really careful if, if you don't know how to read plans properly. Um, you've got to be careful of the sizes because, you know, some people don't understand how the sizes work and uh, how small properties are. Some of those plans, they have little cut corners to fit like piping and stuff in those corners. And so they'll say that it's, you know, three metres by four metres, but, you know, you're losing half a metre in this cut corner or something to make up for space. And it's like you don't account for that. Or they or they put those in after, while, while they're building it and you don't see it in the plan or it's not there in the plans when you actually buy the property. And the other thing is uh, developers can change the plans yeah. And you can't do anything about it. I've had clients that have, you know, the size has been reduced because, you know, the, the council changed part of the permit. Yeah. Um, you know, the, there's very biased contracts uh, to developers, favouring developers. So yeah. uh, if you're going to buy off the plan, make sure you have a solicitor check through those contracts before yeah. you buy. There's what's called sunset clauses where the developer many times, if, if he actually knows the market's gone up, they can pull out of, the contract and then they resell them for hundreds of thousands of dollars more if if there's upside for them yeah. um, and there's no upside for you as a purchaser because if uh, if the developer goes beyond that sunset clause, say 12 months or 18 months, it's not complete. Mm. Um, there's been many, many stories that I've heard where, you know, purchasers thought, great, we got in really well and the market's moved and we've got this equity there and yeah. then developers cancelled the contract, sold it for a, a larger profit to someone else. So, um, so again, uh, not too much positive apart from being able to choose uh, potentially that you know the better ones in the development. Um, yeah. But you know, we don't buy a lot of brand new property anyway, Sue. We like to buy older style, yeah. uh, and we like to buy properties that we can add value to versus buying the brand new shiny uh, yeah. apartment that loses value and is you know quite 
highly priced, um, just like a new car when you drive out of Mercedes, um, you're losing value as soon as it goes out the driveway. So, that, you know, that yeah. a, a new property or an off-plan property is similar to that. You're usually paying a premium price for the glossy, uh, you know, sexy property versus, you know, the unrenovated, ugly duckling that we like to buy. Yeah, I know that all too well. Now, um, you're... We'll do number five before we have a little break. So what do you think is your best don't for number five? Yeah, number five is don't cross-collateralise your home loans. So mm-hmm. if you go directly to a bank, so they will love to, you know, use the equity from your property that you're living in, your principal place of residence, and you're yeah. then buying an investment property. And they'll go, oh, this is easy. We'll get that loan approved. But what they often do is they actually cross-collateralise the two loans and they're joint together. You don't know that if you're not using a mortgage broker usually because, you know, it's not explained to you. Uh, All five of them were cross-collateralised by the Commonwealth Bank. At the time I found out was when uh, I was looking to upgrade my family home in Elwood and I had to sell Elwood. And then they said, oh, no, you've got to sell all these investment properties as well. And I said, why do I have to do that? Because they're all uh, securities for the other property. And I was like, I had no idea. You know, another don't is don't go directly to the bank on your own because usually you're not going to be able to, you know, have the expertise like a mortgage broker will to, to sort of set the loan structure up right. Yeah. Um, so in the end, I, you know, I, I was going to sell all the investment properties anyway because I, as per my first don't, don't keep your principal place of residence. And, yeah. You know, don't keep all these investment properties and then have this large debt on your new principal place of residence or sold yeah. them. Uh, but I think it's, yeah, really important to to make sure that, uh, you chat to your bank if you're going to deal direct. Um, yeah. You know, you say to them, I don't want to cross collateralise. And generally, you need to have at least 20% equity so that that doesn't happen. Um, mm. So that you've got 20% equity in your own home. Yes. And then, you know, you can you can have the, the, the other separate loan for the new investment property. Yeah. Um, if you haven't got the 20% equity, then it, they'll usually try and cross collateralise it. Yeah. And if you do that, that's not a disaster. But as soon as you get enough equity, you should be trying to remove that cross-collateralisation and have it as a separate loan so yeah. that you're not, you know, the bank don't have you by the jugular, basically. Yeah. So, um, so you know, some people will do it as, as a bit of a strategy to get into the market quicker because they have, don't have the 20%. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't do that as a long-term strategy, Sue, because you're, you're really, you're, you're putting yourself in a position of risk. Yes. There's nothing worse than that, isn't it? You know, being dictated by banks that's for sure now we're going to have a little break and come back with frank's last five tips You're listening to Real Estate Right, right. and we're here today with the fabulous Frank Valentic from Advantage Property Consulting, and he is going through his top 10 don'ts when it comes to investing. Give us your number six. My number six don't is um, don't listen to family and friends uh, Mm -hmm. because they're not the experts. Um, Try and listen to professionals. So go get professional advice from a professional mortgage broker, professional advice advocate. That's a plug for me and and, uh, my profession. Uh, But just making sure that you get the right advice because, again, you know, the horror stories start when I hear, uh, you know, my 
listened to my uncle, he bought this property over in this area mm. or I did this because, you know, the next door neighbour was doing it and I thought it was a great idea or I went down to the coffee shop and had a coffee and, you know, learnt about this new area, which is going to be a great area to invest in. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all red flags that, you know, you're really dealing with large sums of money and you should be getting professional advice. And as I say to people, would you go and invest, you know, $500,000 on the share market without getting some advice from a stockbroker yeah. or someone that is an expert in shares? I know I wouldn't do it because, you know, that's gambling. That's yeah. like just literally you might as well go to the casino yeah. and play, um, you know, Blackjack and or or whatever the games I see, I don't even go to the casino. So that's <laughs> all that, yeah, red or black, and um, let's go. I might as well do that because that's yeah. what you're doing is you, you're gambling, and a lot of a lot of people do that when they don't get the professional advice. And um, you know the horror stories uh, that that I hear of you know people that bought, as I said, Port Hedland or Toowoomba, or even you know these service departments. And so yeah, just just reemphasizing, just just use professionals, you know. Um, you wouldn't go, most people wouldn't go do their own tax returns and, you know, uh, set up companies on their own. They'd use a professional accountant. And, and that's what you've got to see. Um, if you want to be a property investor, it's like another profession. It's, yeah. it's a, it's almost another job that you need to have, have assistance with from different professionals, mm-hmm. uh, to help you buy the right property. Um, the figures are really damning. So I think 70% of people buy one investment property. Mm. Uh, and then they don't progress to number two because they get it wrong usually. Yeah. And they haven't got the right advice. I think 19% buy two properties, mm. and I think the figures are about 8% buy three or more, um, yeah. which is pretty sad when you think about it because um, I think you need at least three investment properties and holding them long-term over 10 years to have a, 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 a you know good portfolio that you can have a bit of a nest egg where you can sell some of those properties down and then have some passive income coming in, which is the only time you can really retire is if you're getting some passive income in that you don't have to rely on a, on a job. So, um, so yeah, just stick clear of, you know, the, the, Milk bar owners telling you where to buy or, you know, family and friends. um, And, you know, yeah, they might own one property and then yeah. be, be, you're relying on them to be an expert and, you know, mm-hmm. the one property that they might own might be a lemon as well. So, yeah, um, so yeah just, just also, also um, you know, pay for professional advice. Uh, you know, I always do that. I always make sure that I pay professionals mm-hmm. to do a job that they're going to do better and have more expertise than I can do. So, so I think that's really important as well. Definitely. Um, okay, so number seven is don't think short-term and focus on long-term investing. Yeah, so just make sure you're not thinking short-term. So don't think short-term. Always think long-term investing. Uh, you know, as I say to clients, you know, think big but start small. Um, mm-hmm. Rome wasn't built in a day and the property portfolio, um, a success one, doesn't get built in one day, you know, it, I started my journey 26 years ago. I bought many properties since then. Um, it didn't all happen overnight. Um, mm. It's taken me 26 years to build a really successful property portfolio. So it's not like one of these rich 
quick schemes where you're just going to be rich overnight. Mm. Um, it's generally a 10-year plan for my clients to buy three properties over that 10-year period and yeah. focus on long-term, not short-term. Um, you know, the classic example I always get, the question I get is, you know, uh, have I missed the boat? You know, prices are too high now. You know, I, I can't really buy now. And I'm just like, it doesn't matter when you buy. Yeah. Forget about what stage of the cycle you're in. If you're thinking long term, a 10 year plan um, mm-hmm. is about long term and you're going to, you know, take advantage of the ups and downs in the cycle over that period. Yeah. If you're only thinking one or two years, then yeah, you have missed the boat because you should have bought in September last year in Melbourne mm. where prices were in some suburbs 20, 30% uh, more affordable. Um, mm. But if you're thinking long term, it doesn't really matter if you get in now or next year or the year before um, yeah. because it's never going to go back to those prices again um, in 10 years' time when you look back. So, Unless you buy um, off so the plane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, don't, and the other, the other part of that, don't, is don't focus on today, focus on tomorrow and the, and, yeah. and the, the future, the 10-year plan. Where are we going to be in 10 years? Mm. Um, you know, when I bought my first property in 1995 in East Brunswick, it was $168,000 for a house. Mm. It's never going to go back to that again. So, you know, wish. just oh. focus on where, where that next 10 years is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, it would be good. Uh, <laughs> You'd be fine. You know, that, that would probably, if I had that, probably be worth about, yeah, probably be worth around $2 million today. Oh, wow. Um, so it's never going to go back to 168000 So you've just got to really, as I said, um, you know, forget all the noise. Forget the noise that, okay, you know, I've missed the boat. Forget the noise that, um, you know, I'm going to buy in, in, in the sort of the upside of the market. Yeah, you, you probably are slightly now, but... You know, everyone's expecting the market to keep going until interest rates start moving upwards, yeah. and that could be 2023, 2024. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do wait until then and then, you know, start trying to invest then and then the prices have already gone up another 30 or 40% yeah. and then you've got to pay that anyway. Um, so, yeah, just it's all about your own personal situation mm-hmm. when you've got the funds to buy, when your personal situation allows you to do it, then yeah. do it. Uh, the yeah. timing's right, you do it. I don't try and time the market. Um, you know, I always teach my clients it's time in the market, that 10-year yes. period that's more important than trying to time the ups and downs. I mean, that's your number eight. Things? Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> it is. Yeah, get, there we go. So now it's a number eight. Um, God. Okay, we're on to number eight now. Yeah. And this is one of my most important ones because people focus a lot on today um, and, you know, where the market's at and have I missed the boat. Um, so it's really important. Don't try and time the market. And mm-hmm. I teach my clients it's all about time in the market. So how long you were in the market versus trying to pick the the ups and downs. I mean, I've been in the property market as an advocate for 21 years. Mm-hmm. I would never have been able to pick that the market would boom uh, from September last year that would have mm-hmm. sort of that uh, cycle downwards when COVID hit in March through September, we saw a 20% drop in most areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the market was very volatile. People didn't know what was going to happen. And then all of a sudden in September, it's like, you know, we've gone into a new world. We've yeah. then seen the market go upwards. Um, and overall, Melbourne prices have gone up about 16, 17%. Yeah. Um, we're looking at Hampton. Hampton's gone up 50% in the last 12 months, you know, yeah. so if you had 
tried to time that market, who would have picked that would go up 50%? I think Hampton and Sandringham and BlackRock and, you know, they're those little suburbs that should be getting a lot more money for them properties than, they, than the Baldwins and the Qs and all that sort of stuff. That's my personal opinion, but I reckon they're better suburbs. I think so. I mean, I've always um, lived in Elwood, um, you know, for the last 21 years and yeah. I love the beach lifestyle, you know, go down for a run or a bike ride and, um, you know, you've got all the greenery and, and water yeah. around you. So, so I'm, yeah, I'm a bit biased as well, so I agree with you. I think Hampton and those areas are, you know, great bang for buck and, and they've yeah. got that beautiful thing called Port Phillip Bay yeah. as your backyard. I mean, yeah. most places and your and your sort of playground, really. Yeah. Uh, but um, so don't try and time the market. You will never get it right. Um, mm. I can't get it right and I do it. Uh, you know, I'm in the game and I've been in the game and been investing for 26 years. So um, so just, just focus on getting in when your situation's right and don't focus on the market. Yeah. Um, just focus on when your personal situation's right. I would have loved to have bought this property. I'm just about to flip in Reservoir 12 months ago. I would have loved to have bought that, but I didn't have the opportunity then and I didn't yeah. have the funds then. So it's it, it wasn't even possible back then, but it is possible now. And yeah. so I just focus on, I now. bought it now and I'll do well now and i just got to focus on the future and not the past. Yep, sounds like a plan. Now, your number nine, you touched on this before, don't buy flashy, buy the ugly duckling. Yeah, definitely, you know, just think of that Mercedes driving out of the driveway every time I, I, I buy a new Mercedes. I think oh, it's nice <laughs> to drive out but I've, I'm literally dropping $20,000 down the gutter now because that's yeah. probably what, what the cost of depreciating that car as soon as I've driven it out of the driveway. And um, I think that's the same with property. Don't buy the flashy, glossy, brand-new property. We spoke about it a bit on the off-plan uh, chat we were having earlier. You know, yeah. buy the ugly duckling, buy the fixer-upper, mm-hmm. buy the worst property in the best location, not the best and flashiest property in the worst location. Yeah. So it's all about, you know, location, location, location. Um, yeah. You can change a property, as I always say to a client, but you can't change the location unless yeah. you can relocate a house and pull it up and move it somewhere else. You're yeah. stuck with the location, stuck with the orientation, stuck with the views, stuck with the aspect, all that, stuck with the street appeal. Um, so it's really about focusing on those important things yeah. and, um, you know, one of our key strategies and one of my key strategies to building wealth is is to create your own equity and manufacture equity. And that's through renovations, adding value, um, you know, doing subdivisions, um, you know, creating better spaces, um, adding better functionality, which improves the property value. Yeah. Um, so it's always about generally being able to, you know, improve that property, improve the floor plan, uh, now we're looking at if is there's a possibility to put in some extra um, home office or study space into properties yeah. uh, because people are working from home. Mm. Is there a chance to put some more leisure facilities in that property? Um, I've got clients there that you know are making sort of entertaining barbecue areas that they didn't have before because that will be a big selling feature because people are entertaining now more from home yeah. and going overseas less. Um, so, so I think having those um, opportunities and, and buying those properties that you can add value is mm. a great way to manufacture and make your own money, really. Um, you're not relying on the market to do anything. You're yeah. really putting in $50,000 renovating and that property could have increased in value by 100 to 150. 
Um, If it's an investment, the beauty of it is um, the tax man gives you the depreciation on that um, renovation. So you're actually putting the money in, but you're able to depreciate the the renovation costs. So you're getting a double whammy effect, which is amazing, versus buying something brand new, which you pay a developer's profit. Um, you get the depreciation on it, but you're not adding any value. That property in Footscray, mm-hmm. my client wasn't able to add any value to it. Actually, lost value in the end. Um, yeah. So, so, so it's about. I suppose um, I like to take my clients down the fast road to property investment, yeah. and that includes adding value with renovations, subdivisions rather than just relying on the market doing, um, you know, its thing. I want the market to do its thing. And yeah. then we, we have the, um, you know, that sort of double and the effect of, of actually creating some extra value. Um, instantly overnight it can happen. So yeah. that's, that's a real key for our clients. Yeah, sounds good. Number 10, your last one. Last one and the most important one, you know, that uh, dirty P word procrastinate you know Mm. how many people do it in their personal lives in their investment strategy you know everything it's it's the worst word in the dictionary so don't procrastinate because your investment strategy is on hold until you actually get started you know that 10-year plan that i'm talking to about clients of building wealth that starts when you start your 10 years it doesn't magically start you know six years in you you know procrastinate and then if you're going to you're going to get there in four years, it's a ten year plan and a yeah. ten year strategy uh, that most successful investors follow, including myself. That yeah. you know we're not going to build this um, Taj Mahal portfolio. You're not going to build Rome overnight. So you need to get started. Um, and the first ones are hardest to because it it's it's, it's going to uncharted waters. It's yeah. scary, and I can remember investing in my first property. You know, and um, Back in 1997, and, and I was, you know, thinking, oh, what if I can't make the repayments? What if this happens? What if I can't get a tenant? What yeah. if, what if, what if, what if? And then I thought, well, what if I don't do anything? And what if I just be like my parents and just have the one property for my whole life? Yeah. And what if I just do that? And I thought, hmm. well, what are the what are the risks both ways, you know? Yeah. And I just had a crack. And, and that's yeah. what I say to people, have a crack. Worst case scenario is um, you can always sell that property if, if you bought, a, you know, followed my advice and followed some of the investment grade yeah. properties we buy. Um, but hopefully if you do well with it, you'll be one of those, you know, 18% that buy their second property and then you'll gear into the 9% that buy their third or more and and then you're on your way to financial freedom. So, um, so it's like anything. I mean, um, you know, everyone hates getting out of their comfort zone. Mm. It's not a very pleasant place to be in. It's, you know, you get anxiety, you, yep. you stress a bit. Stress. In, in, any, in any situation, like, you know, yeah. Most people can relate to that when we talk about public speaking because mm. they say it's, you know, people's worst fear behind dying because you get up on stage and you've got to talk in front of people. And yeah. I've been doing um, you know, presentations for years and I still get anxiety doing those yeah. presentations. Because but most it people is a, do. It is. A, yeah. And, yeah. And property investments are saying it, it's getting out of your comfort zone. It's not a very nice, easy place to be in when you're first starting out. It's yeah. a really enjoyable place to be and where I'm at and where a lot of our clients are at after you've yeah. done, you know, 
you know, lots and lots of properties. But, you know, I actually love it now. You know, it's, you know, it, it, it rocks my socks off to get in and, and do some of those flips and developments. Yeah. You know, I'd get bored if I didn't. But, um, but I think, yeah, as I said, as long as you understand that it's normal to procrastinate, yeah. then we just need to get beyond that procrastination barrier to say, okay, it's normal. It's just like public speaking. It's that. But if you get the right mortgage broker to get your finance ready and you're pre-approved, you get the right property advocate to help you with the right property and that you've got the right team on the bus, you get the right accountant, set up the right structure, put it in a family trust, you know, put it in a self-managed super fund, do whatever you're doing. Um, then you're, you've got a much better chance of not making, you know, the, the, the big mistakes we talked about earlier, mm. the, you know, the bad property investments, the don'ts, yeah. um, and you're going to be doing the do's and, and mm. the do's are going to get you to be a successful property investor. Mm. Um, but it all starts today, Sue, because, yes. you know, we can talk about it until the cows come home and how many of my clients, you know, call me five, ten years later and say, Frank, I should have, got on board five, ten years ago, but I'm ready to do something now and I need your help and yeah. please help me. I want to buy. Um, yeah. I procrastinated long enough and, yeah. um, you know, it would have been great for them to get in. But as long as, you know, as long as you get in as soon as you can, I think it's really important um, yeah. to, to focus on, you know, building a 10-year portfolio. Um, so, you know, when you've got the funds available and you've got the equity in your own property, then don't let the equity just sit there and lay dormant. Use the equity um, and use that equity to, to borrow against and 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 buy other properties and leverage that equity versus, you know, as I said, my mum and dad where they had all this equity and they just had it sitting there in their house in Reservoir, which, you know, they didn't buy any investment properties and then they didn't have that nest egg when, uh, when they retired. So, and the worst um, thing so is we need to once, look at... Once you've... Um... You've paid off your house completely. The stories I've heard about trying to get an investment loan because if you, you're not in the loan system anymore, it's really, really hard. So you need to even have like $50,000 just sitting in that mortgage um, so that you can Absolutely. do that equity thing. Yeah, well, don't pay off your mortgage totally. You've got to keep yeah. that actual mortgage going, which is crazy to yeah. be able to then use the equity there to do it. If that mortgage is finished, that's another don't. Uh, yes. Then you can't actually tap into that mortgage, which is yeah. crazy as it seems. But that's just that's just the way the finance system works. So, yeah. um, so that's yeah, that's my last one. I suppose that that's really the the foundation of it also if you don't yeah. get started forget all the other don'ts don't worry about whatever you're doing and don't buy this and don't buy that i mean if you if you're not in that headspace of getting out of that comfort zone yeah. and saying all right this is going to be a bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, but if i get the right advice along the way then it's not going to be you know the nightmare experience that you know yeah. people will hear the horror stories as well exactly. and um, sometimes then they don't buy because, yeah. you know, their friends and family have told them about a horror story or the milk bar owners told them a horror story mm. and they go, well, why would I want to put myself through that? Mm. I'm pretty safe. And some people are safe, Sue. Some people yeah. like safe life. Yeah. They like taking it safe and they don't um, want to get outside that. You're on the edge, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm always pushing the boundaries because I think you've always, you, you've got to get um, you know, to be successful, you need to go outside comfort zones. You need to push yourself. Um, you know, you've only got one like life, a... and if if you don't yeah. use that one life, you know, to its fullest, and have all these, 
you know, res- as you said, procrastinations and, and regrets and all that stuff, then yeah. you've only got yourself to blame, really. Yeah, no. Sue, I, I was lucky because I played soccer semi-professionally and I knew mm. I had to push myself out of my comfort yeah. zone to play soccer at a reasonable level. I had to train harder than everyone else because I wasn't a gifted player. Yeah. And so you're always pushing yourself and, you know, that, that sort of carried on through my life. And yeah. I think, you know, having that experience is, is important that, you know, if, if even your kids and that play sport and hopefully they push themselves out of the comfort zone, then they will hopefully be able to push themselves out of their comfort zone in different facets of their life, yeah. including property investments. So so that's my last little summary. Thank you, you know, so Just much. get out there, have a go. Like, like the Nike ad, um, just do it because yeah. thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it, it's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Just do it. Like the Nike ad said, just get out there, do it, yeah. get yourself organised. And, um, you know, it makes me so happy when I hear all the you know, beautiful stories of my clients building, you know, successful investment portfolios and even other family, friends, colleagues. And, you know, it's great. It's great. It's, um, it it can be challenging, but Mm. it's very, very rewarding. Uh, But we need to get started. Like the Nike ad says, just do it. Let's get started. Let's get started. um, And hopefully you're on the way to successful property investment. Yep, and it's, if it's all too hard, why not give Frank a call and he can help you with it all? Isn't that right? Exactly, and also just have a conversation sometimes. I mean, yeah. I, I do a lot of free conversations over the phone yeah. um, and just, you know, chat to people. And sometimes people don't get out of their comfort zone. They don't come on board or well, they do it themselves and that's fine. But, you know, yeah. just as I said, um, if you're thinking about doing it, then put some steps in place um, yeah. because, you know, today... Um, if you get started today, you'll benefit in 10 years' time. If you don't get started for five years, then you'll benefit in 15 years' time. So yeah. you're, just, you're just delaying when you can get um, on that beach, Sue, yeah. sitting and sipping the um, Coca Cabana, you know, Samo <laughs> Pina Colada, whatever they're called. They go, shows I don't have to be Pina somewhere chilling out and, you yeah. know, loving life because you don't have to work. You're, yeah. you're semi-retired. So so that's all, Sue. Thanks for having me on board again. That's okay. Now, how can listeners get in contact with you? Well, they can get on our website, advantageproperty.com.au, and they can also subscribe to our free weekly market updates doing that, but they can contact us um, and we can have a chat. As I said, I do a a free consultation over the phone. I love helping people. So my background is I was a qualified PE teacher, so I've still got a bit of teaching yeah. background yeah. in this, Sue. So I, I yeah. do like giving out some, some tips and, you know, um, I'd love to help people as a client, but also just to, you know, connect and sometimes having that chat can, can assist people in, in getting over that procrastination uh, hurdle that, that, you know, we experience every day. We all procrastinate every day in different areas, you know, making that hard phone call sometimes or... Dealing with the issue we've got. Yeah, it's, you know, so we're dealing with it all the time. Yeah. So um, so they can contact us and, yeah, we'd love to, love to assist them if they need any help. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Frank. As always, it's a pleasure having you on. Thanks, Sue. Have Thanks. a lovely day. Yeah, you too. Now, next week we have Sean Moriarty from uh, Campaign Agent and Steve Pearson from the big issue to talk to us about an exciting opportunity for home sellers to be involved in helping people 
get out of homelessness. So it's a big problem in Melbourne. So join us next week to find out more. Real Estate Right is produced by Real Copyright, one of Melbourne's leading real estate copywriting companies, and is written, hosted, and produced by me, Sue Langada, with the support of my production and social media assistant, Lisa Fisher. All information given on this podcast is a guide only and delivered to help you understand the intricacies that can happen in real estate. We recommend that you get professional advice that is designed for your own personal circumstances. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting this podcast, Premium Beat for their music, Francis Morello for his voiceover, and Zoom for the recording. If you have a real estate story that is inspiring or a great how-to tip, please contact Lisa on 59778889 to find out how you can be a guest on Real Estate Right in 2022. If you would like to know more about our copywriting services, please email Lisa at orders at realcopyright.com.au. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Right. It's where buyers, sellers, renters and investors get their real estate right.